Hi, I'm Marion Ellis, and this is the Surveyor Hub podcast, the podcast for surveyors who just love what they do. In this podcast, you'll hear from surveyors of all flavours, businesses of all sizes, and also conversations with people working in the business of surveying, supporting the work we do. We'll be chatting about what matters in our work, our career journeys, and learning how surveyors make a social and physical impact every day through their work. Don't forget to rate, review and follow the podcast or pop over to Google and leave us a review. You can also show your support at buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Surveyor Hub. Today I'm chatting to Phil Soudan, a chartered surveyor and registered valuer working in the northwest of England. So Phil, great to have you on the podcast. Hi, now, it's good to be uh, here. When I- yeah, now when I record these podcasts, I do it on video so I can see you because I find my guests because I find it easier. And you have the look of a man who's terrified. Absolutely. Yes. This is, <laughs> this is not, not, my, not my comfort zone, I'm afraid. <laughs> so firstly, thank you for, for coming on the podcast. And we've talked about getting you on the podcast for a couple of years now, I, I think. And you just seem to me somebody who was really supportive, just really nice. What I'd call understated, interesting, but, you know, understated. And I thought, what day I have to get you on the podcast. So I'm so pleased <laughs> that I want to have you. Yeah, I just realised that not nodding along doesn't really add anything to it. So, yeah. No, but it makes me feel good, Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for people who don't know who you are, and I have to say that the podcast that I have with surveyors, nobody have heard of are actually some of my favourite because it's real life stuff you know, real, the nitty gritty of what, of what we do. But for those who, who don't know you, you know, tell us a bit about your surveying journey and, and how you got started. What kind of work do you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of probably uh, in a, a, a large group, really, of, of sort of mid-50s surveyors. Um, so I, I, I started in uh, 88. I was taken on as a, as a, um, as a trainee, which is a, probably a, a rarer thing now. But um, yeah, I, I did a day release course at Manchester um, College in building and then moved on to do the RICS external exams. So, so you got a trainee job as a surveyor, went straight yeah. into trainee surveying. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of, I, I mean, I should really sort of qualify. What I did was not work hard enough at school, didn't pass my, my A-levels, um, and then started again and went and did a, a diploma in building. I knew what, where I was heading, what I wanted to do from being 11 or 12 years old. Um, which is not really, you know, it's not very sexy, is it? I want to be a surveyor. <laughs> um, no, it's not. But, you know, most people that age don't even know how to spell surveyor or surveyor. No, it's true. I, <laughs> I actually had, I was, I was at um, my grandma's house and a surveyor came around and I just followed him around. And I, it just sort of stuck with me. And when it came to sort of careers things, um, it was between that and stuntman. And stuntman, Stump, never, stuntman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that never happened. So uh, I carried on with the surveying route. But yeah, I, um, so, so I kind of started again with the exams bit and went back to college. And then I got an opportunity. I had a, a, a choice of a university place at South Bank and a job. And I think because all my friends had either gone to university a couple of years earlier or were working, I kind of went down the, the working routes. And it, it, I think it was the right thing for me because I, I was straight into sort of helping out. Anybody who's, who's done that route knows that initially you're, you're filing and carrying the tape measure for somebody who knows what they're doing. And I do yeah. remember thinking that I, I, would, I would never never be able to do this job, watching those, the, the qualified surveyors doing what they did. 
And I just thought, yeah, I'd never be able to know what's wrong with that house. And, um, but yeah, sort of six years later, I, I finally qualified. So I think we were the last group to go through the external uh, RSS exams and then the, the, the CPD and the interview and everything. And then, uh, yeah, I, I stayed with that firm, which eventually became, um, after many years, via uh, BBG and Secure Move, it became part of Countrywide. They all, um, they all blurred into one at some point, yeah, these firms, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was 18 years with them, um, which I, th- I think I paid back my trainee bit <laughs> in spades. <laughs> um, then I, I got asked to go, go and talk to somebody at a, um, a much smaller sort of local firm and work with them for 14 years. And that kind of all went wrong during lockdown when they decided just to um, shut the survey department and I was maybe redundant. Then I went to work for another corporate for a little while and um, was approached by the firm I'm with now, Charles Parker Bennett, um, to go and work with them and help build up their residential side. So that's kind of the journey, really. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting for the stuntman bit to happen. But... <laughs> we all want to be evil Knievel. Absolutely. Uh, oh, one of my heroes, yeah. <laughs> of things I want to I want to ask you about that firstly trainees you said you know we all start off with in not so many words the rubbish job the shit job <laughs> or I'll yep. say that you know we all start <laughs> at the at the bottom and it can feel like you know quite a big gap between you starting on your first day and what you know these experienced people do but I, I often hear trainees right now having difficult experiences in terms of where they work, what they're expected to do. And it's such a minefield because there's no pattern. You know, there's no blueprint of what's expected of you when you turn up as a trainee or a student or on that not quite qualified route yet. And I guess with apprenticeships, you know, day release and things like that, there's sort of more of a bit of a a structure. But I see lots of people doing all sorts of different things. And some people have worked before. A lot of us come into the, the yeah. industry and the profession mature, should we say. But some, if you've never come straight from school, you've no idea how to answer the phone or what's expected of you or what's right and what's wrong. And that's really, really hard. I mean, do you work with, have you worked with trainees since then? Have you seen that it's evolved or have you stayed um, away from trainees? Not, not really. I, I have had trainees working working with me. So back when the home condition report was coming out, uh, or, or not, I was working with some people who weren't qualified surveyors for a little while. Um, they were, some went on to do um, become EPC assessors. Um, one guy went on to be quite senior with one of the corporates now. Um, yeah, the, again, I don't think firms are set up for it. Part of the problem is I think you're always going to be a cost initially. The world, I think, has, has, has changed so much in, in terms of certainly what I do in the residential market um, that I think a lot of people don't feel they have the time to spend with, with a trainee. So when I when I was doing it, I don't think the pressure was there to do X number of jobs a day. Um, the turnaround, I mean, we, we used to go into the office, pick your jobs up, go out and do your jobs, come back, dictate the reports, look at yesterday's reports and sign them off, which then went in the post. Today, it's almost... It's almost instant. So everything's expected to be done very quickly. And I think getting somebody to have the time to spend with the trainee is very difficult because it's it's a cost implication to the person who's doing it. Because with the best will in the world, if you've got somebody with no idea what they're doing and you're trying to teach them, you're going to do less work yourself, actual you know, fear earning, if you like. And I think that that's what where part of the problem is. And how to convince smaller firms. I think smaller firms are probably the better breeding ground in a way. I get the, I think some of the big corporates now are doing um, trainee 
like the schemes in, in mm. schemes yes that's, that's the worst mm. i was searching for and i think that's great because they've got the resources to do it i mean i don't know because i'm not in that world i don't know whether when they go out with the qualified surveyors um allowances are made in the day for having more time because if not then they're not going to learn anything very quickly um I'd, I'd love to be able to take, take somebody on and bring them through from scratch that would be lovely to do that but it's the reality How, of it, isn't it's a, it? How it's it's the that... commercial world that we're yeah. in now, which wasn't mm-hmm. the same, I don't think, in, in 88 when I started. It's really interesting because I speak to and coach a lot of surveyors who are at the point where they're thinking about an exit plan for their business, exit strategy, and do they retire? Do they sell their, their business? And you can create lots of assets, even if you think, you know, well, I'm the surveyor generating all the work. There's, there's lots of things you can create in your business that, that adds value. But thinking about that succession and the future needs to be part of your plan at the start. And I guess it all comes down to how you view your work and your business and why you do what you do. And if it's important to you, you will find a way. I'm not saying that's easy, and then, but we need to talk more about it, I think, within an industry as to how yeah. we mentor and get people through. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of people like you, Phil, who are in their mid-50s. And you might want to retire in, you know, five, 10 years time. It's like, where's everybody else going to come from? What does that, what does that mean? And, you know, the corporates, you know, lots of people have a love-hate relationship with the corporates. I work for a corporate, you have, you absolutely see the the benefits of what they can do and they're a different model, but they are designed to get people qualified with a technical skill and to go out and do a particular job in a particular way using particular software and things. But it's that wider life experience, that wider what it means to handle a customer when you've, you know, phoned them up and they're in tears or, you know, something's happened when you go into a property, how you manage your time in your home life. It's that whole wider piece that I think has, has changed. You know, we talk about the way we do the job has, has changed, but the expectations we have on new people and youngsters coming into the industry has certainly changed you know in in our our lifetime and i think we can't ignore covid i mean you know we've all found it hard but geez anybody who's a student or gone through that i've had the most difficult and different experience that any of us could have um, ever imagined but also i think you know and i noticed this with the um with the surveyor hub you know the community group and the the podcast is that we say we can't mentor, but there are still little things that we can do, like share a picture, a nudge, or a well done, thanks for sharing that. Now, there are little things that can help people feel good about, you know, about the journey they're on. And, I, and I, I've seen you do that within the, the hub and support people in different ways. And so as commercially, sometimes it isn't viable to be a mentor in that way or depending on where the business plan is. But I think all of us can still do something you know, and you talked about the gap. Sorry, you talked about the gap. Uh, go on, no, you go on. Oh, shut up. <laughs> we'll edit that. No, bit. no, go on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no I, I was, I was going to agree with you there. I, th- I think it's, it, it, it sometimes is doing what you can. Um, I see a lot of people on on the hub um, giving great advice, um, you know, and, and you, you see the little tag with with students, and that is a, a benefit of the digital world that we live in. We are able to do that. Um, some people do quite quite a lot. I, I can't remember any names now, but they, you know, they, they are very supportive and, and obviously very knowledgeable um, surveyors. That can be passed on to people, but it, nothing replaces, I don't think, the sort of face-to-face, one-to-one. Yeah. And, and it, it, it might take a, a change of outlook even for you know the corporates or for the smaller firms to be able to say, yes, you know, we can. It's not necessarily about 
we can afford a trainee. It's more about, as you, as you said, succession planning. So can we bring somebody in and offer them a career path? Um, mm, a future. A future, something that's going to excite them. Or are, we, or are we going to take somebody on for two to three years who's then going to go off and work for someone who can pay them more money um, and get on the hamster wheel producing mortgage valves? And I, and I think that's the difference, isn't it, of recognising that surveyors are people or your employees are people not robots there to do fee earning and a job and you know you decide what model you're you're going to take and I think you're right the way that we look at education I think in you know as we're in the UK and not to get political but you know as we sit here the interest rates have just been put up students are absolutely on the floor not able to afford anything you know those those at university perhaps it's time for the model to change you know um, and that's something that Okay, you can wait for a government to do something, but that doesn't mean that we as an industry can't introduce something different and better uh, that supports people where they're at now in their lives. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. But what I would say to any trainees and students out there or newly qualified, because we get lots of them following the, the podcast. So hello to you all, my little fan club. Um, <laughs> my, me, me, the saddo. Uh, you know, it's just hang on in there, you know, and don't worry about knowing everything straight away because... You get to our age, Phil, don't we? And we still don't know everything. I was don't just going to say about it. You know, I, I, I say I, I, I started this job in, in '88. So I said I, I learn things constantly, and any anyone who says they don't, probably in any any work, maybe not a brain surgeon, but you know, in, in our job, you, you come across things and you think, oh, I've never seen that before. You see it regularly on on the on the hub that um, mm. somebody will say, I've, I've never come across this. And that's almost one of the beauties of the job, really. It is it is varied. It's one of the selling points, I think, that you can be looking at a, a one-bedroom wreck flat somewhere uh, one day, and, and the next day you can be looking at a, a, a you know a massive Victorian three-storey fantastic building with beautiful gardens. And I think that's part of the attraction for me was from the start. It was, mm. it was not being sat at at a desk all the time and, and there's a lot more of that now than there was there's a lot more sat at the desk i've got a pile of things here from from today you know reports that need, need to be um signed off as sct's to do and, and that kind of thing so there is more of that um than there used to be but again it's, that, that's that's part of the changing changing world i think and also it comes back to that as i mentioned before that the hamster wheel of, of, of producing mortgage valuations i mean what we're I don't know if it's appropriate to say here, but what we want to do and what sort of attracted me to this job was we want to try and sort of build something and, and we're looking at recruiting some more surveyors so that we can have a variety. Mm. So yes, there'll, there'll be some going out doing doing a bit, bit more, almost going back to being a GP surveyor. So yes, doing mortgage valuations, but also doing a few more private condition surveys and and other types of work as well uh, that we're and, looking into. Yeah, and I think that's so important now because that break gives you resilience as a business. Yeah. Yeah, and on one, at one extreme, I see some surveyors with 26 million things listed on their website that they can do, even though they hate doing them, <laughs> or nobody ever asks, uh, and that becomes too confusing. But it's finding that balance of what you do, you do it well, but having enough variety so that if the tap of work turns off for any for any stage or, or reason is that you've got to remember that you have the ability to work and earn money doing you know as a surveyor yeah. and doing surveying because property is property there's just different ways and different tasks that you might do and, uh, and generate that that money in in different ways and so on the other extreme you've got people who just do you know the churning out mortgage valves or 
you know, or hitting all their jobs or points a day. And what, what I find tends to, to happen is that if you're doing well and all that work is coming in, it's like, you know, you put your hands out with a bucket and everything falls in and people don't work on their business. So they don't think about the kind of work they want to do or what they want to retrain or learn or, or be fearful. And, and on the other hand, when you've got a list of all of these different things that you do, you lose your identity of well, what am I anymore? Because they don't know how to position themselves as a yeah. GP surveyor. But I think I think that's definitely something that's quite attractive to a lot of people. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And there's, there's nothing wrong with yeah, the model. I've got, you know, I, I've been there myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a lot of friends who do, who are still doing it now. And you know, it, it's the, the day is set up for you. Everything's booked for you. You go and do your, your six jobs, um, five jobs, ten, whatever it might be. Um, and you hit your targets and you get your bonuses and and, and everything else. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I got a little bit. I suppose I got a bit tired of it. A bit. A bit it's not repetitive because every because every day is different. But I wanted it to do a little bit more, if you like. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Phil, because I was talking to a surveyor yesterday, and he was saying he, he runs his own practice, and he was saying it's got a bit boring. It's got a bit repetitive. Hmm. And I suppose it depends on what you start to notice about your work, you know, what what keeps you interested. Um, I mean, I felt like that from the start because I knew, so so I used to go out and do the inspections and then I moved on to uh, complaints and claims, which obviously a whole different kettle of fish. But I did, I there were two things that I found. One, that it was quite repetitive and I couldn't remember what day of the week it was. <laughs> and depending on what area you're in, some houses all look the bloody same. <laughs> you got to keep you got to keep track um you know when you're going through it going into so many and then the other thing i found was it was physically tiring being out and about in the fresh air <laughs> all day <Yeah. laughs> but maybe i wasn't quite uh, best suited but it's interesting you say about that repetitive tiredness and i think people do get that it just means you're ready for the next thing yeah i think i think so I, mean, I i still enjoy going out even you know some days i might be in the in the same town doing the same type of houses but I still enjoy the job um mm-hmm. I think I just want a little bit of variety now I think it's probably like I say you get to get to a stage where you're sort of almost planning your retirement because you you 10 years to wind down or five years hopefully to wind down more like 10 <laughs> um and I think part of the thing was was going doing your your mastermind not not to blow smoke but it made, made me think a bit more of it I was on the cusp of, of perhaps doing something on my own and I don't think I'm, I'm best suited yeah, so you you joined the mastermind in between it was during lockdown i think wasn't it, was it? During lockdown, when I, when yeah. I, on that one and you were in, in between roles and yeah. when we come to the mastermind and it's evolved over the years but they either work for themselves or they were thinking of working for themselves and i only work with experienced surveyors there's other stuff that i can offer students and newly mm-hmm. qualified because uh, i think you need a a few years under your belt before you um, work for yourself but and, and you came and i've had this with a couple of clients actually came with a I don't know. Should I work for myself? Is that the right thing for me or not? And I think it's almost like a, a scratch, an itch that you've got to explore because people yeah. either find themselves like me thinking, you know, when I left my corporate job, I literally thought nobody would hire me. And so I have never <laughs> applied for a job. So I didn't think I was good enough. You know, so I just, it was like, all I could do is either be a stay at home mum or work for myself. And I wasn't very good at being a stay at home mum. So it's just where you, where you find yourself and you, you know, but for other people, they've always thought, well, I would like to work for myself. But when you work for a corporate or a larger firm, you don't get to see the inner workings of what it's like to run a business because you're just there as a fee earner and doing the surveys. And so you have no view or no understanding 
of what it's like other than perhaps fear. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And as again, because I've been so long, say 18 years with one company, 14 years with another company, and the, the work kind of, the vast majority of the work being provided, you weren't even going out looking for work, uh, let alone dealing with, um, I, I, I did deal with other stuff, so I got a bit involved with claims and with, with training and everything mm. else. Um, you're still not business planning or anything like that. Um, dealing with the day-to-day or or I, I just got started on dealing with the um, PI renewal with the previous company and then and let's say that, that came to a stop but what I, I think I've realised what your your course helped me with really was was realising that yes I could do something on my own but I also realised I didn't really want to be on my own I like working with other people and as I say this this job now I'm, I'm much more able to be involved in sort of the, the day-to-day planning of things um helping to bring through the the, the technology that that wasn't in place when you know when I started that we've, we've now got and that um so so we're, we're able to sort of compete with the bigger firms in terms of yes we use that system we can do that we can do all that but but also going knocking on doors and chatting to to people about about work and, and yeah. looking for relationships, building relationships um, in order to get, to get more work in. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes think it's either or, work for a corporate yeah. or a firm or myself. But there's, there are grey areas, if you like. There are different ways that you can stretch yourself. And there's nothing better than having some a team behind you. Or uh, I know when, yeah. certainly when I was at Blue Box, you know, before we that, that closed down and we sold the business, you know, having that, those people to chat to was great. I feel incredibly lonely in my business sometimes, which is why I <laughs> do, what, do what I do and chat to literally anybody <laughs> who will listen to me. But I know that I don't fit into the typical model of a, you know, of, of what's expected in a, in a business. And I know myself better now to have the confidence to do what I do and work and liaise and li- align with, with others. But I think the more you know about yourself and how you, how you fit in, what your worries are, where you can stretch, what the opportunities are and get curious means that you can step into roles like the one that you've, that you've got. So I was really pleased you came to that decision and you found it useful because it's not, you know, it's not about working for yourself. That's not the, the Holy Grail. Yeah, but it's knowing what's right. What's right for you? It, 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 it was more for, for me. It was more about understanding a little bit of, of sort of where you, where you've come from, and it sounds a bit X factor, you know, the, the journey. <laughs> <laughs> the journey. But, Why yeah. do you do what you do? Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, no, no, knowing where what you've done isn't necessarily the be all and end all, and it's it's a great training ground for doing the job and learning. And, and the, the great thing in, in the old days, Sammy Blair said, but um, we used to be in an office. And there could be anything between two, three or 10 surveyors in. And you'd all chat about stuff and you'd show each other, oh, look at this, I've just seen this. Or you, you were constantly learning off all the surveyors and and having that that to and fro. Um, that's gone by the wayside to a large degree because a lot of people, you know, most surveyors now are home-based and you might meet up for meetings or on a Zoom call. Um, we try and get into the office we have an option really because you can either you can work from home or we have an office two offices you can go into so you've got a bit of flexibility if you are feeling like you're a bit isolated um you don't have to be and i, 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 I like that side of it and i think a lot mm-hmm. of firms perhaps heading in that direction the smaller firms and um, that you know you are more uh, more flexible we have a, a, a mixture we have a commercial section a commercial section a commercial firm which is aligned with us which is um parkinson's and you know, we, we talk we talk across the subject yeah. so yeah. I'm, I'm picking things up on commercial stuff that i've never really 
touched in my life. Yeah. So, and I do think that's it's a positive thing. Had I gone on my own, looking back um, on the last sort of twelve to eighteen months I've been been here, I realise I, I can go out and find work because because I, I have. Um, would it have been enough work? Possibly. You wouldn't, you know, if you work for yourself, you perhaps don't need to do, do as, as much to maintain the, the status quo. But I think I'd have been constantly frightened of, of the uh, of the work drying up. Yeah, I guess. I guess the thing is, what you've got now in your back pocket is that you know, if push came to shove, things happened. You could do it. You know more now than you than you did, and I think that kind of thing gives you that inner confidence. But it means you've got the choice, and you're choosing where you you work. And you you mentioned there um, something really interesting about you know people coming into offices or working from home. And boy, that has changed so much in the last fifteen years. I mean, when I remember when I worked for the corporate we both used to work for, um, when they closed all of their offices because they were the first to bring in tablet technology, and that was just awful. And they you know, but when you look at the overheads of running businesses and uh, offices and, you know, all of those things and travel times and all of those things, it's huge. And then when you look at the efficiencies of technology, it's a no-brainer. But I come back to where people and we need to interact with, with humans. And so it's been a really interesting thing to see over the, you know, the last few years. And obviously, particularly COVID, you know, with all the lockdown situation. Because, I mean, that's when... You know, we had we had started the Surveyor Hub Facebook group, but it really got quite active through lockdown as everyone was was twiddling their thumbs. But what I realised is that nobody knows how to talk to each other online. <laughs> and how you say something, you know, can come across as you're being a bit of a, you know, trouble, you know, and things can get totally out of context. And the, the language that we have and the way that we interact with each other... And we ran a few you know, like lunchtime or afternoon sessions of just surveyors to be able to talk, you know, to each other yeah. and and do or do a bit of work. And that was interesting as well as to who would show up, why they would show up, what they needed. Some wanted to chat, some just wanted to know that there were other people about. Most people were just interested and happy that if they needed something, it was there. They didn't feel the need to join, but knowing that there's something there when you need it yeah. is actually quite quite powerful. But you do wonder going forward you know, what are the implications longer term for the surveyors moving forward? Because when we're in an office and we're having those conversations, yes, we're learning, we're building relationships and things, but that's really powerful to see, well, what impact that has. Uh, my husband works for a firm of civil engineers and they've noticed that they don't have like the brainstorming sessions or the design, you know, they do design architecture and I don't know what he does, obviously, but they, you know, they do all this sort of development stuff and they come up with problem solving solutions to things. And they yeah. really noticed after a few months that lack of creativity and you just cannot recreate it online environment. But I do wonder from surveyor's point of view, what is it we're going to notice that we've missed? You yeah. I, th I think it's a, it's, it's a, it is a difficult thing because, I've been looking over, you know, since the COVID thing and, and, and people working from home and obviously you see it a lot more, people still working from home in different fields that never used to do, which can make making appointments easier sometimes, you know, because people are at home rather than at work. But there's been a lot, quite a lot in the media and quite a lot on social media, you know, people talking about this. Uh, well, we've been doing this for years. You know, it's, it's not yeah. it's not new, this working from home thing. And I do miss the being in the office, but it's not practical, you know, to, to be... If you're doing what mm. we're doing on, on the residential side, it's not as efficient because you go out in the morning from, to your first appointment straight from home, go and do your jobs, and then you go home and you do your work. And 
if you are being which no surveyor does if you're if you're being i work till 5 30 or whatever <laughs> you're actually at home at 5 30 so you you know travel time no one does that obviously they all work mm. you know longer but if you have a quiet day, you know it's 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 nice to be to be able to be at, be at home rather than in, in the traffic. And I do find now that travelling in, in traffic is is really annoying at at, uh, at rush hour times. But yeah, that steps back a little bit to what you were saying earlier about about the bringing through the, the new blood, if you like, and 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 trainees because the majority of surveyors are based at home. Um, what do you do with them? You know, do do you bring them back home? With you sit at a desk and just because because <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well you have to show them the, the the back end of the job you have to show them the the SCT and you have to show them the, the insurance calculations and the stuff that you do at the desk unless you sit in the car and do it on your laptop in the car and that's not a great learning environment I think being in an office is probably better in that respect because mm-hmm. then you do learn as you said earlier you do learn the answering the phone dealing with it with with admin I know there's less paperwork now but all that stuff that you did as a as a young trainee surveyor where um, how, to, how to write a nice polite email but think things that it's it's, it's got to be easier to train young or old new surveyors yeah. in person um, in person and in an environment where they get to learn about everything to do with the job rather than just the this is what we're doing an appointment mm. yeah this is how we, we speak to people when we when they answer the door this is how we fill the boxes in on the on the ipad yeah and it and it might sound a bit woo woo but i think surveying when you go where you're going out inspecting buildings is quite sensory mm. you know as you walk yeah. up the path or walk into a, a property if you're experienced enough you know you know what is wrong there's never many huge shockers. You've got a sense of, do you know what? That paint smells a bit fresh or that's a mm-hmm. new floor that's a bit bouncy. And it's a, it's a mix of your mastery and skill, isn't it, as a surveyor and experience that you get, but also really tuning into your senses. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's something that you just cannot replicate unless you're in and out of a property. But also you talk to someone about it, about how did you feel in that property? And, and in turn, with clients as well and that's the root of all complaints and claims you know is uh you didn't speak to me very well etc etc interesting you know what you were just saying about you know how do we get people back in the office and i know you know as we record this today lots of companies across the uk and and beyond are struggling to get people back uh, into work and i suppose the way that i look at it there's there's two things one is the practical challenges that we now have you know, my husband's going into London five days, four or five days a week now. It is incredibly inconvenient for me now. <laughs> because I, there was, you know, I just having someone home at tea time so I could rush one to a club or do the school run or whatever. You know, so there's that, the practical challenges, uh, you know, and that, and that inconvenience and, and, and family life and where we need to be here and, and not, and that we don't want to lose some of that. And then there's also the cost. You know, for a lot of people, the costs... You know, I mean, I was looking at the price of diesel as I popped to the supermarket earlier on and thought, dear me, we were moaning about it when it got to, <laughs> to a pound. It's nearly double that. Yeah. You know, and so there's there's costs. And so it's that convenience, that cost, that time. It's it's very real for, for a lot of people as we as we sit now. But I suppose what we need to do as businesses is to look at what's the purpose of us coming together. And if we can't create it so that we're there in the morning and, you know, for tea yeah. at the end, what's the next best thing? And even if it's something like, you know, a company WhatsApp where you keep in touch or you come in once a fortnight on this day and dedicate the time and structure your business so that the fees and the money and the income works, that you can have that time together. 
it means that everybody values it and it becomes non non negotiable. And so it's understanding what it gives you, what the benefit is, because there's nothing worse. You know, I can imagine there's someone going into work and thinking, what's the point? I could have done this at home. I haven't done any work because everyone's been talking to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I know people in that exact situation. Um, I know mm. people who work for firms where they, they've, they've sort of offset and said, well, there are certain people and you can come in on, we want you in two days a week. And and they're like, well, which days? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, if you turn up on what day when no one's in, then you've wasted your journey. So you like yeah. say the structure needs to be there. And I do think a lot of people have got used to the idea of working from home. I think firms have found that production has, has not been affected in a lot of industries like they thought it would be. The effects on the housing market, really, people working from home, the COVID lockdown. So people were wanting gardens or to be away from town. People were wanting uh, properties with an office space um, and this kind of thing. So that's all had a, a knock-on effect. What's interesting is through COVID, we've got lots of changes with the housing market in that people want properties with a garden space or they want properties that they've got a home office space and things and things like that. And that's changed our work as surveyors, but also we've got to remember that as surveyors ourselves, we want that. And I think there's a difference between working from home, sitting on the sofa or the kitchen table, doing a few, uh, you know, sign off reports or whatever to having proper working space at home and mm. you know and I always think you know uh, surveyors don't earn stacks of money <laughs> you know we're not all property <laughs> investors sitting on empires you know um most of us are just normal paying the mortgage you know doing what we can and so I think it, even though we've been doing this for a long time working from home I think it's still quite difficult for for a lot of people I wanted to ask you a question because you're unusual not unusual in that you've worked for two companies for quite a long time yeah you know someone either works you know for the whole life or they've sort of jumped around a bit um 18 years at one firm is quite a long time isn't it i think it is these days i i, I don't know if, I, if i've perhaps come from a different era <laughs> i mean you can put it down to loyalty or i suppose you could say it's lack of ambition i don't know which way i i i was comfortable where i was I felt supported and could see opportunities there. So, although the company changed its its form its form a few a few times along the way, it always felt like it was a a firm of of surveyors run by surveyors, mm-hmm. and there was opportunities to do things. So, I say we got into um, condition reports quite early. Um, I became a trainer and a set assessor on on that, which was money well spent, obviously. Um, <laughs> but but it was interesting. And I quite enjoy I enjoyed the diversity of, of, of that, and that's what they what they offered me. Um, I think perhaps it became a bit too big. I'm not sure, um, a bit less personal as it got swallowed up a little bit by um, another firm. And I think just just it just didn't feel the same. And I think it just I had a few opportunities over the years where I'd spoken to other companies, pretty much doing the same thing. So I'd never gone looking for anything, but I'd been. Yeah, when you work, when you work in a, in a local area, you tend to get to know people, and then people yeah. will give you a call. Um, but nothing ever felt different or better. So I, I, I carried on as I was, and I think the timing of when I when I did move eventually, I probably would have stayed there. But the the opportunity arose, and it was it was it was interesting, and I think it was at a point in my life um, where I felt well, if I don't do it now, I probably never will do. Mm. Sometimes um, it's just you're ready when you're yeah. ready, and yeah, I think every surveyor has always got one eye open 
you know yeah. one thing one thing that drives me absolutely <laughs> nuts is adverts for surveyors jobs yeah because they seem like the most boring thing ever mm-hmm. a lot of them are this postcode this much money yeah we'll look after you this is the car da, da, da. they're all the same and you speak to people who are in recruitment not actual surveyors doing the job and i just find it so sad because it makes out like <laughs> you know we're a commodity and it's a boring job and it's repetitive and it's just not <laughs> it's well some to an extent it is yeah you know we this is the work that we do that we that we produce but it's it's more than it's more than that i think that's what i'd like to think i'd like i'd like it to to, to be more more than that more than just as i say i've, I've worked in in different companies and and yes there is a pressure to do a certain number of jobs um i won't even get onto fee levels you know because i think that's part and part of the part and parcel of the issue of bringing younger younger surveyors or new surveyors into the business is being able to offer a good package and a, and a oh, not even a good package but a good future yes you're going to come and work for us and we're going to pay you absolute peanuts because you know nothing and we're going to train you and then when you're trained you're going to be doing this oh, and you work so hard you and, won't believe <laughs> and you but but you but you'll that's the point i think i think that's why i'd like to get back to it can't get back but when i started and you had every stage you got through you got a, an incremental pay rise which was quite a big chunk in those days so i think i started on about three thousand pound a year showing your age now though Phil. i know i am yeah <laughs> yeah i could buy four houses and you know i wanted the, the whole four yorkshire thing but, but all my friends who worked in the civil service were on probably double that and you started to accept that that was that's you know you had no value to the company as you went through the stages it's it, it jumped up and it soon surpassed what my friends were earning um and it's kind of stayed there <laughs> you know, and i think that's a lot to do with with it's not a fight for the, it's a, in, a way, in a way it's a fight to the bottom but the pressure on on competition for the work has, has driven the fees mm. or certainly not they've not risen in line with where they should be and yeah. it's, it's probably contentious but i think you're right there are factors around that with the pi the way the lenders are you know all of their approach to risk all of those things but i do think a lot of surveyors uh, resigned to well that's what the fee is and I can't charge any more and the thing is you just don't accept it you just decide well I'm not going to do that work it's loss you know you can do a bit of loss leading work but not not a lot and you talked about trainees um adding value and I think maybe that's the you know earlier on we talked about you know what if there was a different model is how can trainees students you know when they're coming into the business people start to add value straight away and I think we often forget the skills that people have particularly if they're more mature you know you do what you do you just happen to do it in the world of surveying and people have got skills doing other things they've learned there's always something that can be could be taught so rather than you know sending them out to do all the dog's body jobs actually giving them some really good things to do particularly if you think about social media you know and marketing and all of those things that comes naturally to a lot of these people but then but on the other end of the scale you've got the well where's the point of becoming MRICS if I'm ASOC and what's the point of becoming a fellow or the equivalent because I can't charge anymore unless you know high and 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 things you You pay more subs well, I'm sure the RICS at some point will will sort that out. One day we can live in hope, yeah. as we as we say. But no, I, 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 that's a whole, a whole, um, probably a whole podcast there on 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 the Emrix 
ASOC. Um, I mean, I, I was an Arix when I started, which <laughs> it used to be. Um, and that, that changed the, the game, Ricks. And um, the, there was a need to bring people through quickly because of a shortage, mm. because of a lack of training. It hadn't gone on for a long time. I think, again, partly due to the financial crash, um, there's a big gap in bringing trainees of, of any type through because no one could, could justify it. Um, so, yes, there's a shortage of surveyors because a lot of them are my age or older. And uh, I think the average age is probably about mine still. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think it is. I don't, I don't know whether... I know there was some data going around um, a couple of years ago that it was, you know, mid to late 50s was the average age of a surveyor. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's helped actually by new surveyors actually being mature. <laughs> you think about on a on a numbers no. point basis, no. you know. No, absolutely. And, and uh, I've I've heard conversations about the the the, the Eric's thing, and you know, it's devaluing the with the, the ASOCs and that. Yeah. Sorry, devaluing. I don't necessarily true. I mean, I I had um, two uh, ASOC uh, guys working with me in my previous company. They're great, great lads. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they actually gone on to do. The, the full charter but they knew what they were doing and they were, they were good like mm. and, and worked you know worked really hard some of the some of the most experienced surveyors a lot of stuff yeah some of the most experienced surveyors i know are actually asoc rics and i think the way it is set out and and how it i mean i understand the need and why it, why it came in but i think the way it's currently set out it's promoted and how how the rics and it, you know, it sits with them ultimately. How they present it doesn't help the consumer. It doesn't help us as surveyors because everybody is infighting, and that's not nice. And it's it's not kind. And so there needs to be a recalibration, if you like, of um of what what's involved in that. Because you know, I've seen reports from fellows that, are quite frankly, <laughs> dreadful. You know, so so it's like, but it's a it's membership, not 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 it's, skill it's, it's, necessarily, is it? You know, they're, it's, they're it's, different it's not, things. It's not, but yeah, it's it's not a blanket thing. It's it's not a we're better than, than you are kind mm. of thing. I remember going back years ago when the um, ISVA became uh, incorporated in, into and thinking, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, it's, they can start their course with with with, with O-levels. So we have to wait till A-levels to do ours. So, you know, we're obviously, we're, and we're charting. I got a little bit sniffy about it. And, and my boss told me that he was ISVA. <laughs> uh, I kind of climbed down a little bit. But I think in in a way it's a good thing because it's pride in the in the mark. And anything that changes, I think when you've been doing the job for a long time, you almost feel this 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 pride in it. I'm, I'm a member of the Royal Institution of Charter Surveyors, you know, and it, that that mm. came into my head at the weekend as well, you know, with with um, with, with with the funeral, with the funeral, you know? yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, you know, I have a Royal Charter, and that, that's it was. I, I remember being really proud when I when I got that and worked really hard for it. I, you know, failed the interview the first time, passed it the second time. Oh, you should have mentioned that at the start of the podcast, Phil. <laughs> they grilled you. <laughs> oh, well, oh, I, I can tell you exactly why. I, I actually, um, on, on the advice of somebody at the time, I actually filled the wrong box in and I, I, I turned up and basically was grilled by three commercial surveyors <laughs> about rating and didn't have a foggiest what I was talking about. Um, so, yeah. Second time round, and they were asking the right about. Subject. <laughs> yeah, and I remember going in, into the interview, and then them saying to me, um, "So, can you tell us uh, what you'd expect to find in a um, 
in a trust rafter roof. And I sort of looked and thought, this is what I do. <laughs> I actually know the answer to this. <laughs> Completely different different situation. So yeah, um, you know, I was, I, trouble is you, you start rambling and then you blurt out things you didn't mean to tell. <laughs> oh, that's why I love this podcast. <laughs> that's why you're it's very, a conversation. <laughs> you're very good at this. <laughs> um, but this is, where the, this is the gold dust, you know, because there'll be people here, you know, listening who also failed first time or second time or graduates you know worrying right now about going for their next APC session and you know what it's okay it's just the next thing that that you do and it's all absolutely all life uh, life experience and and you know you talk there about about pride in the the job and I guess you know and I and I and I very much feel that and it is difficult when there's you know shenanigans going on you know and, and you know different membership bodies institutions they're all the same there's all stuff that goes on, you know, behind doors as a as an industry and a, a and a profession. Um, but I think it is a shame where it gets to a point where you know we sort of come up against each other over almost who's the best or and 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 I, and I was actually I did a when I did my degree it was ISVA accredited and that's how I became a member of the RICS. Although I I think I was lucky I managed to get a an MRICS route because they just brought in the tech tech yeah. ASOC uh, route I think it was at the time. You know, and I remember people saying looking at me like. Oh, I remember one particular person, and I won't name him because he used to do, um, he's quite well known, uh, did a training session and was absolutely aghast that I went to a local institute to do my degree and not Reading University. Yeah, you just think that that kind of, on the one hand, it's, you know, yes, it's pride. But I think that for me, that says a lot about diversity and culture and what do we all bring to it? now and it's a it's a communication challenge i think i think ultimately i think when you get, get past that I mean, as i say mm. I, I, I was i think probably just finishing my um rics qualifications at, at, when this all happened so i was a young person and i was i was oh, really i could have done this and been qualified two years earlier and, and earning money and blah, blah, blah. um and it wasn't the full story at all. But you, you, you no. as, as, as a youngster, you, you you pick on the bit and go, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm chartered." But I, I say I, I am proud of that. that but I, I do think that everything needs to be, like I say, brought in together and work together. And I would love to see. I don't know if, if lack of knowledge now. But I don't know if if there is a route whereby when you get your ASOC qualification, there's a step then. To lead you on to the full charter. Um, yeah, well, well, there there is, but it's not straightforward for most people. No, I think is it. the, that the challenge. And for me, that is a diversity issue. You know, if you haven't got a degree or if you've got to do it a certain way, you know, I mean, we don't know all the details, but it's the kind of for me that's the kind of thing of you know we can talk about gender and diversity and doing things different. But this is actually bringing it into the way that we. Um, operate as surveyors and the actual work we physically do as well you know it's it's really integrating it rather than let's have a panel and talk about this that and the other and <laughs> you know it's, it's, the cynic in me. Are, it's, it's people who are out there now doing the same doing the job you know and, yeah. and they they are assault ricks but they're doing they're doing the job as i say the two guys i, I work with absolutely absolutely brilliant it's, you know and mm. out doing home buyers reports couldn't fault the reports, couldn't fault their, you know, their knowledge. And and to get away from this diversity, not that, not that confusion, confusion, this confusion, <laughs> it, it it needs to be that, say these guys have been doing the job for, for a while now. Um, I'm not saying you automatically get the charter, but you know that, that experience and maybe an interview and how it works 
um, should then lead to them 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 being brought into the fold. Sounds wrong, but I think you know I think there I mean. needs uh, you know not everybody wants to climb up what they you know, the ranks so to yeah. speak. You know some people are happy that they've achieved what they've achieved. They're able to earn a living, and that's fine. It should always be always be a choice. But I think there is some sorting out to do in terms of clearing up experience levels, qualification levels, what people are able to do and levels of membership, if you like, because they they seem to be tied and actually that particularly in the residential sector and that's not quite right, I don't I don't think. And you know, confusion isn't helpful and clear is kind. And I think if we approach that, it helps us and it and it helps, you know, consumers ultimately as well. But look, Phil, it's been really, really good to talk to you. It's been lovely to see you and, 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 and chat, yeah. Um, yeah, really good. I, I, dread, I, I won't listen to it back. Um. No, well, I don't either. <laughs> now, as a professional, I probably should to get better. I, but I, prob- I probably I, should, but I don't. I, I hate to listen to my own voice. Living <laughs> <laughs> using the dictating machine makes me dread, dreadful. But you know what? What I love, though, Phil, is the fact that you know. Eventually, I've. I don't think I've persuaded you too much, but I've given you the opportunity. And when the time was right, you've come, you've come and you've done it. And yeah. and that's why I like these kind of conversations. I remember chatting to two two ladies who came on a women in surveying one that I did, and they were absolutely they were physically shaking with yeah. nerves. And it was a fabulous conversation and chat. And they did really well. Just goes to show, you know, we stretch our boundaries. We put ourselves in these positions. It helped, you know, you can do it. But also, I know there'll be lots of people listening to this will be really interested in your career, will have learned a lot as well. And so I'll give you a gold star. That was very nice. Thank you very much. No, it's, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. You, you put me at, at my ease. If it sounds like I'm rambling, that's just a, that's what I do. <laughs> so for everybody else listening who <laughs> no, wants to come on my podcast, Phil says it's okay. <laughs> Thanks ever so it's much. Not as scary as you think. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Hey, thanks for tuning into the show today. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find the show notes and links to any guests and resources we've mentioned today on the website, lovesurveying.com. And don't forget to show your support by buying me a coffee or you can rate, review and follow the podcast on your usual podcast platform. It really does make a difference and helps spread the word and reach a wider audience of surveyors who just love what they do. See you next time.